Welcome back to Let's Talk. I am Dr. Hassan Batts, and we are in the studio with Raul Great McFall. Welcome, brother. Thank Excited you. to have you. Thank you for having um, me. So, so I'm sitting here with Mr. Great himself, and that is how you self-identify. That is your name. That is your title. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that first. What does it <clears> mean? <throat> Where does this name come from, Mr. Great? Great comes from a transition in my life. I have the acronym that I use for myself, and I share with people. Um, great stands for giving relentless effort at thriving. Giving relentless, relentless effort, effort at, at thriving. thriving. I, I like that. I like that. You know, some things, sometimes things happen in our life, and it's, it, it, life has a way of taking its course eventually to you becoming who you're supposed to have already been. Mm. And so I had a large journey in my, in my short span of life so far, and, okay. and it brought me to this point. Okay, so so of all the names you could have chosen to describe that journey and where you're supposed to be, it's great, right? So tell us about that journey. Tell us about your life. Who is great and how did you become great? Well, and, first, and what makes you great, right? Like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I think it's, it's imperative that I go straight to great because a lot of people wonder, a lot of people, you know, with that name, great carries heavy weight. That's right, that's right. So I so, will say, I didn't, it's not something I just sat and gave myself to be 100% honest with you. I just came home from doing 13 years straight in federal prison on a 15-year federal sentence. How long have you been home? I've been home now seven months. So, so literally, you just came home? Literally, just came home. Okay. And in that process, I could say seven years, maybe eight years into that, you know, prior to that, I had a, a street name, which was Shice. And I had I lived a 20-year street life in the street. Shice like Shiesty. Shice, yeah, that was my name. That's yeah. what everybody know me. On my indictment, it said Shice. That's what it is. And little more than halfway through my prison sentence, everybody in the prison knew me as Shice. That's okay. what I was known. That was my title. Mm-hmm. You know, that was my name. And I reached a particular point. This is where Great came in, where I was in solitary confinement with a black eye from just, you know, living the prison life. Being seven years in on it and eight years, it's just constant dealing with the prison issues and and one thing led to another and while in that in solitary confinement for that brutal fight I had received report calls for two of my children at the time I'm married I had five children with my wife and she stayed the bed the whole time and I and I raised my children from prison because I was fortunate to have her come every visit and two of my boys were 12 and 13 at the time and I just remember pacing a cell with a black eye as shice being in there and I was upset with them when I, she sent me the report cards, and I'm looking at them in solitary confinement, and it was all Fs with my 12- and 13-year-old boy, two of my boys. So that was a pivotal moment for me. It was like, you know, I was initially I was upset with them because I'm like, how could they be feeling when I preach about school every single prison visit? So I was upset with them, and, I, and I, <laughs> the craziest thing happened to me. I went and looked in the mirror at my eye, you know, because I had a black eye just to check to see if it was healing. And for the first time ever, I got a good look at me. And it's like, what are you doing? You know, wow. I never thought that I would have that aha moment, but it was like, what are you doing? You know, I'm, in, I'm the epitome of what a gangster is, and I'm in prison. And, 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 and at the time, I thought that meant something, you know, for what I stood for in prison, you know, integrity that I had and with, the, with the prison morale and the street morale, but my kids were failing. And that was a moment for me where I had to take full accountability for the fact that they're failing because I'm failing as a father. And that was a moment for me where it was like I came to the realization that I learned in that moment that despite my situation, despite my circumstance, despite me having to be in solitary confinement, I was still the example. 
And I didn't understand that until that moment. And then it's like I'm talking to myself, and then you ask yourself, what do you want for your children? I'm quite sure every father has a moment where they ask themselves, what do you want for your kids? Because that's your next generation, you know? Yeah, and that's me, your legacy. That's your legacy, you know? And that, that reality came to me, and it was like, I want my children to be great. Like, I want them to really be great. And, I, and, and, and that was a moment where I understood that I couldn't teach them nothing about being great. All I could teach them at that moment of life was how to be shice. So all you knew how to do was be a gangster. Yes, that's all I knew at the time. You know, that's what I, you know, I, I grew up in, with a hard life. My mother and father died when I was 10 and 11. I was in and out of foster homes prior to that. I ran away at the age of 13, and that kind of set the trajectory. That's right. That's, I, I to, know where you're going. To my life. With that story, I know where and you're I, going. And from 13 on, I just literally was in the street. So you studied gangsters. You had mentors that were gangsters. I wouldn't like... even say study gangsters. You know, people, in my opinion, when a person's studying something like a gangster, then to me, you're a fraud. That's not... I'm saying that's who you watched. That's what you were exposed to. Let me express it like this. I wouldn't say who I watched. You know, I understand now that being as mature as I am that, you know, as a man, when you're growing up as a young boy, you you only can learn from another man to be a, how to be a man. And it just was so happened that because I ran away at such a young age and didn't have any male guidance, any, any positive male role models in my life, the male role models that were around me were involved in the street. These were guys exactly. that that was giving me pistols and sending me on little runs. Mm -hmm. and, and I looked up to them. So they were like my father figures, mm -hmm. if that made sense. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like I studied kind of like, that's the reason why I didn't want to use that word study, mm -hmm. because it was like, you know, you looking up, you I'm mimicking manhood according to what, what I'm surrounded by, by my atmosphere. You're influenced by what you're exposed yeah. to. Yeah. Had you been brought up in an environment where you were exposed I think to I golfers, thrown, you would I have been a golfer. Yeah, and, and, and you know, yeah. and it was that also now that you're saying that. I want to say, like, me understanding the power of influence and understanding right. where I was in that, in that cell, it was like, I want my children to be great. And I knew I didn't have the no information about being great. I couldn't teach them it. So I made it my duty that when I got shipped to the next jail, that I was going to really learn what it takes to be great just so I can teach them. At that moment, I didn't want to be great myself. To be honest with you, it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to be great now so I could. It was just, what can I learn about being great so I could teach my children? Mm -hmm. And once I got shipped to the next jail, I re-educated myself on what the word meant. I went to the Webster's Collegiate Dictionary and I looked up the word great. And some of the definitions were huge, grand, distinguished, one of a kind, preeminent, remarkably skilled, full of emotion. Then I started looking at some of the people I admire, Barack Obama, Jay-Z, Nelson Mandela. You know, what are these characteristic traits that they have that they all have in common that I can dissect and possibly teach my children? And while embarking on that journey, the hardest thing in life for me was being in an environment where I was surrounded by everything that Shice love, and and mm. and I was respected. Shice was respected, but I was I was in the midst of of making a transition to so become. Now, so now you're talking about an environment. We say that prison is a is a very dangerous, lonely, and depressing place. And oh. you're saying you normalized that to a point that you loved that environment. Yeah, it wasn't. You know, it wasn't depressing for me when I was Shice. It wasn't. You know, you know, it really wasn't. If you become, you understand that that's, you know, especially when you get sentenced to a 15-year sentence, it was the first time I did actually had to do time. And how old were you? I was 32 when I got arrested. Okay. 
And so I just came to the realization I took full accountability. I know what I did in the streets. And I felt like I could have got way more than what I did. Yeah. I was just happy with getting the 15. Yeah. But I understood it, it, it was hard for me at first to adapt, you know, after you, but it took me about two, three years to really fully understand that you have to embrace this environment if you're going to survive. Just to become it. Yeah, you, you must embrace it. There is no outside world because if you're stuck on the outside world and you got that much of a sentence, you're going to be lost. You're going to get crushed in And you were, you were in federal camps. Yeah, I was in federal federal prisons. Yeah. yeah, I went on this journey to learn what it take to be great, and and slowly, it started to change me. While I was just trying to learn some things to teach my children, they were failing. I had all F's, and everybody said I did a lot of remarkable things coming from out of solitary confinement and and, and bridging them. Bring I, I helped bring them from all F's to straight A's. Now they're in college. There, wow. you know. that's, that's remarkable. That's great. And, and that's a, a testament to your intentionality. Yeah, you know, but it, it took some work, you know. I remember when I got out of solitary, remember I said they were failing. Mm -hmm. And I had went to the education department at that prison that I was at. And I said, um, listen, my kids are failing. Is it possible that we can bridge a connection between the prison education and my children's education so I can be abreast of their schooling? Their mother was working nights in the post office and she couldn't be on top. They was 12 and 13. And me understanding that, I ran away at 13 that at 13 if we don't get them then they lost they're gone, they're gone. so they're gone. i didn't want that to happen to mine yeah. so the lady at the school miss george i'll never forget her she ran the whole education department in prison looked at me and said that's impossible it's impossible for you to have a connection with their schooling you're a federal inmate and I, when i left i just was blown away like that she didn't even say she was gonna look into it yeah, nothing she, she didn't know. care yeah so the next week was open school night and i you know what i did i said you know what i can't give up i'm gonna try to make it a way where I can connect with them. You know, in the federal prison system, you have access to an email system, which is called Coralinks. Mm -hmm. uh, what I did was I, I stayed the whole weekend and wrote a, a letter, a detailed letter to the, that educational staff expressing that I'm their father, my circumstances, yet despite my circumstances, it doesn't prohibit me from being a part of their schooling. And I understood how important education is for my children to succeed. And I opened up an email account, I had my wife put the password in there, and she took the to open school night, made 50 copies and gave it to everybody, and the teachers were blown away, she said. She said they broke down crying. They said there had a lot of children that their parent was in prison, but I was the first one to ever reach out. And that might have been the best thing I could say in that, considering that circumstance that I did as a father because I would wake up in the morning and it would be an email saying if Kashmir don't bring this assignment in by Thursday, he's going to fail. And I would run to the prison phone at 6 in the morning and go off on him. Kashmir, I'm going to beat you behind if you don't. So you were really parenting from prison no, hard body in prison. partnership not only with your wife but with the educators that Yeah, that was the best thing I did. Wow. They were sending me, the, the, I would get the report cards before my children. They were sending me pictures of my kids in place. And they, they seen the power of my input because they, they gradually went from all Fs to Cs to Bs to As because now I'm fully abreast of, of their assignments. So your refusal to quit on your sons changed their lives. And that's, what, that's where great came in. It took me a little bit to learn, but I, I, I eventually learned what it take to be great. I have what I believe that it take the core of what it takes. Okay, so you got make. some, like, foundational... It's the basic... It's, it, it's, it might seem basic, but it's hard. Okay. But if you give your greatest effort in every single thing you do, then you are definitely going to become great. What I mean by everything, the way if you brush you your teeth... you give your greatest effort in every single, every single thing, thing that you, you do, do, you are definitely going definitely to Definitely, a thousand percent. If you think about it, let's think about some of the people. If you say Jay-Z... 
when you look at his overall life. He had to give his greatest effort to be a husband. You see, he went through with the cheating aspect, but he gave his greatest That's effort right. to That's fix right. that. He gave his greatest effort to be a father. I didn't even want to just t touch on hip-hop. I want to talk about him as a character, as, as a person, as a man. I mean, you're talking about Mamba mentality, essentially. Yeah, and that's what it is. You know, and a lot it's funny that you say that because my friends, my mama even Kobe yeah, Bryant, like yeah, my, that my, was his way of being. I, my close friends call me Cabron. <laughs> yeah, your combination between the two. Yeah, because in the streets, I kind of had that trait in the streets. Yeah, I, I would, I would say that I did, but I, I used it in the wrong direction. I didn't understand what I so, had. So, so that's what we talk about, right? In, in, in our work, work on prison survivors, we say to never return to prison again. You have to take that same energy, those same talents, and transfer them into something productive. Can and I tell you the sad part about to never return prison? I left prison and left my guys in the yard. Right now, there's men in there. I just got a uh, text because from the email system. You could text mm -hmm. from a guy, a young guy named G, man, good guy. He got a 20-year sentence, and he's, he was young. He's about 25, and he got about maybe six in. But majority of the guys, they threw a party for me, 30, 40-year sentences, these guys. Some of them 10 years, 20 years, and, and big in the yard. And I said, I'm never coming back to prison. I kept saying, and everybody. And on that's rare. On different times that I said that to everybody, everybody, different times said the same thing. You can never say never. And I said, why can't I never say I'm never coming back? To that's me, right. I'm just blown away. I'm never going back to prison. Yeah, but I, I mean, I'm not a person who did multiple jail stints. Listen, I'm telling you, I'm never going back to prison. But but yeah. I've seen on multiple occasions where I've seen guys leave after doing seven years while I was in there. I might have met them when they had six years in, you know, and they're like about to go home. And I'm like, man, I wish you well. And three years, two, three years later, they come back. And I'm like, yeah, what happened? I caught a 30-year sentence. That happens frequently, more than, than most people may even know. It's a reality to me. So so you are going to break the recidivism curve completely. It's not even part of your vocabulary. Prison oh, no, not it's part done. of your reality. It's done because it's I done. have to. There are some things in life that, you know, everybody say they're a man, you know, and, 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 and it's sad that I thought I was a man prior to going to prison, but that prison experience is what really made me a man. I would have to 100% say. And, and the different elements that help make me a man the most impactful, I say most strongest part that made me a man was understanding that I had to be a father. That part of, of life is what helped me to be a man because I'm accountable. I see, like, I had to step up and, and embrace fatherhood. I didn't really understand what it was like to be a you father. You keep going back to this thing of fatherhood and I want my children to be great. Like, you keep going back there, man. Because it's, it's important to me. Listen, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. We are sitting here in the studio with Great himself. This is Dr. Batts. You're listening to Let's Talk, and we'll return shortly. Thank you to the members of WDIY for making all the programming you hear possible. Becoming a WDIY member is the best way to support your listening and to ensure WDIY will be here for the next person in our community to discover. Make your membership gift today at 610-694-8100, extension 4, or WDIY.org. We couldn't be here without you. Welcome back to Let's Talk. This is Dr. Hassan Batts. We are in the studio here with Mr. Great himself. Man, the energy is this. This is probably the most energetic, high vibration interview that I think I've ever done on, on this podcast, on other podcasts. It's just something emanating from you that's contagious, bro. You got I'm me humbled hyped. by that. I'm humbled you have me hyped right now. I man. appreciate that. I'm humbled by so that. So we, we went to break, right? And we were talking about this idea of manhood and, and what makes a man. And you said you learned that in prison. Yeah. And I think that when it comes to be a man, you know, most people probably think it's subjective. But in my opinion, it's not. It's basically one thing. You, you know, 
being a father is one element of becoming a man. If you're a man and you have children and you're a father, that will elevate your manhood. So when you're talking about father, you're talking about caring for your children, like yeah, and, not just and, having them. No, embracing fatherhood, you know, because there's a difference in, in that. You know, I was a hood father before I went to prison. I took care of them. I provided. But I became, I embraced fatherhood. And, and there's, a, a, I want to say, a real big difference between a hood father and fatherhood. Like a hood father, you you know, I took my kids to school every day. I do everything, but I sell drugs and I did other things. And I let circumstances dictate my decisions as a, as a father. Like the moment I would leave them and drop them off to their mother, now I'm a drug dealer. I'm not the father right now as I'm driving off. I'm a, I'm a kingpin and, and everything else. And I'm a potential murderer if someone crosses the wrong line. Every decision I embark on is dictated by the circumstances. But what I learned that far as being a father and being a man is that when you embrace fatherhood, every decision you make is based off your children. It mm. took that circumstance for me to understand that. Mm. Like, you know, my friends are now based off my children. Can I bring this person that's around right. my child? Right. Is this person, that's when I consider you my friend, whether I like you personally or I don't. But if there are some things from you that can that my children can learn from, then it behooves me to embrace you as a friend, you know? And and so every decision I make from the choices, the, my job choices, the car drive, everything is based off my children now. And going back to being a, becoming a man, that element of me while in that situ, um, situation is what elevated my manhood. But being in there, I was around for 13 years, nothing but men. Men. And there's different levels of men. So you're not talking about manhood. You're talking about men in terms of... Men's in, but, it, but it develops your manhood because you're held accountable by, by strong men because despite that circumstance, there are some powerful, strong men in there That's that right. just made poor choices. And there's accountability. Yeah, and they made poor choices and they understand that and they, they're on the right track but they're stuck in that situation. And so when you're surrounded by them, they're holding you accountable. I, I have leadership characteristics, leadership abilities and sometimes I was going in the wrong direction with, with those characteristic and traits and I was from older guys was being pulled up get over here and you know and I didn't understand it at that moment but as I grew and, and became more mature and became in their shoes in prison I understood what my role was I understood what it was like to be a man that no matter what I must hold myself accountable that's the first thing about being a man even when it comes to being a father that's the first thing you know I am ac accountable at that at, for that all the time anything my children do if I didn't teach them that lesson I'm not mad at them it's my fault because I didn't teach him that lesson. So how can I be upset with him for doing something that he's not supposed to do when it's my fault that I didn't teach him that? Mm. So now once they learn it, it becomes their fault. That's right. So I have this thing with my children where I teach them their sense of morals and I go through, hey, what comes behind love, son? Action, dad. What comes behind respect? Action, dad. What's the relationship? You know, and I teach them these morals because I believe that's important for children to learn because once you develop a, a certain moral status, it will dictate the direction of your life. And... I want to I want to kind of like if you don't mind I want to shift gears and kind of speak a little bit about coming home from prison and these reentry issues that I kind of like deal with pertaining to my children and pertaining with life in general because I think it's overshadowed and or it's underestimated when people use that word reentry that word to me is like overrated like when people hear it they don't really listen it to it it simplifies it man yeah but it but it but, minimizes the experience yeah and it doesn't really break it down and i i actually yeah. took it for granted i remember before leaving and i told my guys yo i'm leaving and the guys told me those that were in and out before i never been in and out before mm -hmm. had said to me 
listen, be careful because you're institutionalized. And I said, no, I'm not. You know, right. I, I, I refuse to accept that because I pride myself with social intelligence. I found myself to be so highly socially intelligent. So I felt like I would be able to adapt back to society. Right. I know I'm with my wife and kids and I'm back out there. And it was like, not you, because I was so strong minded and, and, and controlling in that environment that now that I was out, man, you don't know the half that I go through and, and I have to adopt. You know, there are situations that I, I have to consider it like post-traumatic stress disorder. That PTSD when it comes to prison, it's, of course, it's of real. Course. Prison is trauma. It's man. real. I and, didn't, and one of the challenges you got to think about is, is prison is considered earned trauma. So nobody cares. Whatever you experienced, you earned it. Yeah, but I, what I mean by that is I was taking my wife to work one day and we was late. And Russian and the UPS, I mean, excuse me, the FedEx truck driver was in the way. He could have parked left or right. He left, was in the middle of the street. I rolled the window down. Man, well, you, you could have parked on the side. Why are you parked there, guy? Like, and he went off, oh, F you, and this, that, and the third. And without thinking, I had an ankle monitor on. Now, when I look back, I jumped out the car, wore, ran over to him, and it was a lady he was trying to help to get a chest up. I took the, picked up the whole chest. I was just mob thinking one to let me get this witness out the way because I'm going to check this man right now. I don't know who he think he's talking to. And at the same time, a little one-year-old came out. I guess she's a grandmother that was watching this kid. And I bought the chest in her house because I was just trying to get her out the way. And when I turned around to the guy, he had his phone out ready to record my actions. And I'm like, what? You just said something crazy to me. And the kid and the lady were, were, were little elements that, I, grounded. that helped me to kind of really look at what's going on. And when I got back in the car, my wife was like, I got a postal uniform on. How dare you? You got an ankle monitor on. You are so angry. And, and you're going to throw everything away. You're angry. And, I'm, and I had to explain to her, I'm not angry. I was not upset. It's just an automatic response. Because in prison, nobody's going to talk to you that No, way. but it's an automatic response where people don't understand that. In prison, when a person, it's not that they don't talk to you like that. It's just that you understand that the person that's talking to you like that, he ha he's just as aggressive as you. So there's a high level of respect in there. So the moment that voice is raised and the F-bomb is dropped, then I already know that he can potentially hurt me. So I, I got to move before he moves. Yeah. So that thinking don't change despite I, I was wired like that for yeah, 13 years. I've seen so many people get severely hurt by not reacting fast enough. I had to react fast. So when these situations happen, when I'm in this other thing, I'm McDonald's, something like that happened. I had to re, I reacted, but I'm overreacting out here. You know, and so it's like people looking at me like I'm crazy, and I know I'm not crazy. It's just that I understand I'm, I'm mature enough to, it's environmental. to understand, like, I've been conditioned in a certain way. That's what it is. A person might say something out here, but they're not going to do nothing. They're not going to stab you. They're, but I don't know that. So, so, so we call that maladaptive behaviors, right? In order to survive on the yard, you needed that, right? Yeah. But at McDonald's or Target parking lot. Yeah, and then, and then it transitions back to fatherhood because I found myself in the house with my kids. Man, I got to tell you, a real, my son, he's, he's 16 now, he's 15. And I was talking to my wife about something and we was arguing and he came and jumped in there and I said, stay out of adults' conversation. And, he, and he's going back and forth and he was sitting down. I'm standing over there talking to him, standing over him and he stood up and I went off him, don't you? And I pushed him down and, and then when everything calmed down, I said, you stood up to me. Don't you ever stand? He said, Dad, I wasn't going. Why would you think? He said, I'm a he said, I'm a 15-year-old kid from Whitehall. Wow, he had to remind yeah, you. Yeah, and I, that blew my mind. Yeah, I said, Dad, yeah, I didn't yeah. he said I would never do that. How, how do you how did you make begin to really make that transition where you said, I don't need these survival instincts anymore? 
I really think that what I think there's a flaw in this system that when they release you from doing all of that time, there should be a buffer. There should be some type of group, some type of things to make men, especially if you did over ten years. So, so you don't, you didn't get that cognitive behavioral nah, therapy. No, 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 no. You just, it's just raw. They just open the door, get and out there, and go, just go home. and just get out there. And I, and and, and, and that's why seventy five percent of the people return in two yes. years. Yes, and and see, I just so happen to be fortunate enough that that I. I I appreciate, and I think this is our most blessed skill that we have. This is a gift that that I think God has given us that a lot of people overlook is I bask in my self-reflections. Mm-hmm. You know, people overlook that. So, like, the FedEx situation, that weighed on me. You know, what could I have done differently? I remember. What could I have yeah. done, you know? And so, and that helps me to move forward because now other situations similar may arise. You learn from it. Yeah, so now what I do now, this is what I, this is where I'm at right now with it. If someone touch me or do something, if God say something, I just stare at him. And he probably think I'm crazy. He's talking, waiting for an answer, and I don't have an answer. I'm just staring at him because in my mind, I'm processing, I'm, I'm analyzing, because I know if I verbally respond, it, it might it's escalate, escalate, escalate yeah. it. So I just stare. And, and watch and wait, you know. So reentry is real. You know, people coming out from doing all this time in prison, people tend to overlook, you know, and a lot of them return because they don't know how to manage themselves. In some ways, they're not wrong, you know. The system is wrong. How you put me in a halfway house and and there's no one, no group in there, no nothing going on to express for us to talk about what are these things that we might entail walking out. How would you deal with a situation if X, XYZ happens? You know, because I think, if we had that conversation before, you'd be prepared for it. Yeah, when it happens, you know, you'll have a, at least something in your toolkit to fall back on. Okay, so you, you went from gangster to father to great manhood, all all kind of together. What's next? Well, right now, my goal is to be become the number one most in demand motivational speaker in the world. I believe that I can, and the purpose of that is because I, you know. You know, of course, money, money is, of course, is, is, is always, you could use it. But my overall goal is to, I want to make a positive impact. I want to show people that despite negative circumstances, you can become more. And sometimes, like with me, if you don't have nobody telling you that you can be more, sometimes you don't know you you can be more. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of want to preach that and also speak to unfathered fathers, men that have all the good intention in the world but didn't have a good example and they think they're so, doing so right. So unfathered fathers. Yes, I have this message. So that they're I've, fathers, but yeah. they... They had no model and example. In how yeah, to I have a message. That's many of us, most of us probably. Like I'm working on a book right now. It's written. I'm just working on publishing. It's called Tough, Tough Principles, and T-U-F-F. And it stands for Teaching Unfathered Fathers Fatherhood. And I think that's, that's an important section because everybody talks about father from an overall whole perspective. Mm-hmm. But when you speak on the unfathered father, there are a lot of them suffering because they have all the good intention in the world, but just missing all the tools because just they didn't no have a guidance. Man, no didn't, yeah, so they freestyling. I was freestyling. I, I thought I was a heck of a father before going to prison. But you never saw one. Nah. So now you'll, you'll, you'll be that example. Hopefully. All right, we we we're getting ready to close out, so I got a couple of questions for you. Remember, Cameron said, "What means the world to you?" Mm-hmm. Remember that song. What's your answer? What means the world to you? My children. Period. There's nothing else because that's what helped. That's what helped keep me on the right path. Okay. What keeps you up at night? My goals, which are which are becoming the number one mo- motivation. Trying to figure that out. You want to take it back part. to that? It's hard, yeah, because that's where I'm at. You know, I'm goal driven. You know, I have a goal. I'm gonna make it there, but that's what keeps me up at night because I don't have a blueprint to that. And what do you need to get there? I need opportunity, definitely. I need, you know, the structure of a website. I need, 
you know, people just willing enough to actually, most of all, what I learned is opportunity. If I had the opportunity to stand in front of a stage of people, I think I, I would be, I would blow them away. So our listeners out there that can help and provide all of those things, how do they reach you? How do they find you? What's... You can reach me at rmcfall, M-C-F-A-L-L, at greatgrindlife.com. Say that one more time. rmcfall, M-C-F-A-L-L, at greatgrindlife.com. You, okay. you can reach me there or you can reach me at Promise Neighborhood. Okay. And we are could, PNOV. Yeah. You, you've got a, a minute in closing, right? Give that 60-second motivational speech right now to the world. Okay. First of all, don't let nobody ever tell you you can't achieve your goals. You know, your goals should be becoming every day your greatest self. Think about when you look in the mirror, can you do better? Why just settle for average? That's what I don't understand. You can be a whole lot more than what you are. All you got to do is focus and look deep within, and you'll find out who you really are supposed to be. People are dependent on you especially yourself. You are listening to Let's Talk. We're here in the studio with Mr. Great himself. This is the great Dr. Bats on the great Let's Talk, baby. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for all you are and all you are becoming, most importantly, bro. Be great. You too. If you enjoyed this program, please go to WDIY.org or the WDIY app to share or become a WDIY member.